Section 35 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chao Xuqing, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 42, Part 2. Bao Chai noticed how from shame the blood rushed to her face, and how vehement she was in her entreaties, and she felt both to press her with questions. So putting her into a seat to make her have a cup of tea, she said to her in a gentle tone, Whom do you take me for? I too am wayward. From my youth up? Yeah, ever since I was seven or eight. I've been enough trouble to people. Our family was also what one would term literary. My grandfather's extreme delight was to be ever with a book in his hand. At one time, we numbered many members, and sisters and brothers all lived together. But we had a distaste for wholesome books. Among my brothers, some were partial to verses. Others had a weakness for blank poetical compositions. And our collection of books even included the western side house and the guitar even up to the hundred and one books of the yuan authors these books they stealthily read behind our backs and we on our part devoured them on the sly without their knowing it subsequently our father came to get wind of it and some of us he beat while others he scolded burning some of the books and throwing away others it is therefore as well that we girls shouldn't know anything of letters. Men who study books but don't understand the right principle can't, moreover, reach the standard of those who don't go in for books. So how much more such as ourselves? Even versifying, writing, and the like pursuits aren't in the line of such as you and me. Indeed, neither are they within the portion of a man. Men who go in for study and phantom the right principles should cooperate in the government of the empire and should rule the nation. This would be a nobler purpose, but one doesn't nowadays hear of the very existence of such persons. Hence, the study of books makes them worse than they ever were before. But it isn't the books that ruin them. The misfortune is that they make improper use of books. That is why study doesn't come up to ploughing and sowing and trading. As these pursuits exercise no serious pernicious influences. As far, however, as Sue and I go, we should devote our minds simply to matters connected with needlework and spinning. For we will then be fulfilling our legitimate duties. Yet it so happens that we too know a few characters. But as we can read, it behoves us to choose no other than wholesome works, for these will do us no harm. What are most to be shirked are those low books, as when once they pervert the disposition, there remains no remedy whatever. While she indulged in this long rigmarole, Dai Yu lowered her head and sipped her tea. And though she secretly shared the same views on the subject, 
All the answers she gave her in assent was limited to one single word, yes. But at an unexpected moment, Zhu Yun appeared in the room. Our Lady Lin, she said, requests the presence of both of you, young ladies, to consult with you in an important matter. Miss Secunda, Miss Tertia, Miss Quarter, Miss Xi, and Mr. Bao, our master Secundus, are there waiting for you. What's up again? Bao Chai inquired. You and I will know what it is when we get there. Da Yu explained. So saying, she came with Bao Chai into the Daoshang village. Here they, in fact, discovered everyone assembled. As soon as Li Wen caught sight of the two cousins, she smiled. The society has barely been started, she observed, and here's one who wants to give us the slip. That girl quarter wishes to apply for a whole year's leave. It's that single remark of our worthy seniors yesterday that is at the bottom of it. Dai Yu laughed, for by bidding her execute some painting or other of the garden, she has put her in such high feather that she applies for leave. Don't be so hard upon our dear ancestor, Bao Chai rejoined, a smile playing on her lips. It's entirely due to that allusion of Grandmother Liu's. Da Yu speedily took up the thread of their conversation. Quite so, she smiled. It's all through that remark of hers, but of what branch of the family is she a grandmother? We should merely address her as the female locust. That's all. As she spoke, one and all were highly amused. When any mortal language finds its way into that girl phone's mouth, Bao Chai laughed. She knows how to turn it to the best account. What a fortunate thing it is that that vixen phone has no idea of letters and can't boast of much culture. Her forte is simply such vulgar things as suffice to raise a laugh. Worse than her is that Ping Er with that coarse tongue. She has recourse to the devices of the Jun Qiu by selecting from the vulgar expressions used in low slang. The most noteworthy points she eliminates was commonplace and makes with the addition of a little elegance and finish a style so much like that of the text that each sentence has a peculiar character of its own. The three words representing female locust bring out clearly the various circumstances connected with yesterday. The wonder is that she has been so quick in devising them. After lending an ear to her arguments, they all laughed. Those explanations of yours, they cried, show well enough that you are not below those two. Pray, let's consult as to how many days leave to grant her, Li Wen proposed. I gave her a month, but she thinks it's too little. What do you say about it? Probably speaking, Dai Yu put in, one year isn't much. The laying out of this garden occupied a whole year, and to paint a picture of it now will certainly need two years' time. She'll have to rub the ink, to moisten the pencils, to stretch the paper, to mix the pigments, and to... When she had reached this point, even Dai Yu could not restrain herself from laughing. If she goes on so leisurely to work, she exclaimed, won't she require two years' time? 
those who caught this insinuation clapped their hands and indulged in incessant merriment. Her innuendos are full of zest, Pao Chai ventured laughingly, but what takes the cake is that last remark about leisurely going to work, for if she weren't to paint at all, how could she ever finish her task? Hence those jokes cracked yesterday were sufficient, of course, to evoke laughter, but, on second thought, they are devoid of any fun. Just you carefully ponder over Pingara's words. Or bet they don't amount to much. You'll nevertheless find, when you come to reflect on them, that there's plenty of gusto about them. I've really had such a laugh over them that I can scarcely move. It's the way that cousin Bao Chai puffs her up, Si Chun observed, that makes her so much the more arrogant that she turns me also into a laughing stock now. Tai Yu hastily smiled and pulled her towards her. Let me ask you, she said, are you only going to paint the garden, or will you insert us in it as well? My original idea was to have simply painted the garden, Si Chun explained, but our worthy senior told me again yesterday that a mere picture of the grounds would resemble the plan of a house, and recommended that I should introduce some inmates to so as to make it look like what a painting should. I've neither the knack for the fine work necessary for towers and terraces, nor have I the skill to draw representations of human beings. But as I couldn't very well raise any objections, I find myself at present on the horns of a dilemma about it. Human beings are an easy matter, Da Yu said. What beats you are insects. Here you are again with your trash, Li Wen exclaimed. Would there be any need to also introduce insects in it? As far, however, as birds go, it may probably be advisable to introduce one or two kinds. If any other insects are not put in the picture, Da Yu smiled, it won't matter. But without yesterday's female locust in it, it will fall short of the original. This retort evoked further general amusement. While Da Yu laughed, she beat her chest with both hands. Begin painting at once, she cried. I've even got the title already. The name I've chosen is Picture of a Locust Brought in to Have a Good Feed. At these words, they laughed so much the more heartily that at a time they bent forward, and at another they leaned back. But a sound of kutung then fell on their ears, and unable to make out what could have dropped, they anxiously and precipitately looked about. It was, they found, Xu Xiangyun, who had been reclining on the back of the chair. The chair had, from the very outset, not been put in a sure place. And while indulging in hearty merriment, she threw her whole weight on the back. She did not, besides, notice that the dovetails on each side had come out. So, with a tilt towards the east, she as well as the chair toppled over in a heap. Luckily, the wooden partition wall was close enough to arrest her fall, and she did not sprawl on the ground. The sight of her created more amusement than ever among all her relatives, so much so that they could 
scarcely regained their equilibrium. It was only after Pao Yu had rushed up to her and given her a hand and raised her to her feet again that they at last managed to gradually stop laughing. Pao Yu then winked at Da Yu. Da Yu grasped his meaning and forthwith withdrawing into the inner room. She lifted the cover of the mirror and looked at her face. She found the hair about her temples slightly disheveled. So promptly opening Li Wen's toilet case and extracting a narrow brush, she stood in front of the mirror and smoothed it down with a few touches. Afterwards, laying the brush in this place, she stepped into the outer suite. Is this, she said, pointing at Li Wen, doing what you've told and showing us how to do needlework and teaching us manners? Why, instead of that, you press us to come here and have a good romp and a hearty laugh. Just you listen to her perverse talk. Li Wen laughed. She takes the lead and kicks up a rumpus and incites people to laugh. And then she throws the blame upon me. In real truth, she's a despicable thing. What I wish is that you should soon get some dreadful mother-in-law and several crotchety and abominable older and younger sisters-in-law, and we'll see then whether you'll still be as perverse or not. Dai Yu at once became quite scarlet in the face and pulling Bao Chai. Let us, she added, give her a whole year's leave. I've got an impartial remark to make. Listen to me, all of you, Bao Chai chimed in. I'll bet the girl O may have some idea about painting, or she can manage just a few outline sketches, so that unless now that she has to accomplish the picture of this garden, she can lay a claim to some ingenuity. Will she ever be able to succeed in effecting a painting? This garden resembles a regular picture. The rockeries and trees, towers and pavilions, halls and houses are as far as distances and density go, neither too numerous nor too few. Such as it is, it is fitly laid out. But were you to put it on paper, in strict compliance with the original, why, it will surely not elicit admiration. In a thing like this, it is necessary to pay due care to the various positions and distances on paper, whether they should be large or whether small, and to discriminate between main and secondary. Adding what is needful to add, concealing and reducing what should be concealed and reduced, and exposing to view what should remain visible. As soon as a rough copy is executed, it should again be considered in all its details, for then alone will it assume the semblance of a picture. In the second place, all these towers, terraces, and structures must be distinctly delineated, for with just a trifle of inattention, the dwellings will slant, the pillars will be topsy-turvy, doors and windows will recline in a horizontal position, steps will separate, leaving clefts between them, and even tables will be crowded into the walls, and flower pots piled on portiers, and won't it, instead of turning out into a picture, be a mere caricature. Thirdly, proper care must also be devoted in the insertion of human beings. The density and height, 
to the creases of clothing, to upas and shashes, to fingers, hands, and feet, as these are most important details. For if even one stroke be not thoroughly executed, then if the hands be not swollen, the feet will be made to look as if they were lame. The coloring of faces and the drawing of the hair are minor points, but in my own estimation, they really involve intense difficulty. Now a year's leave is, on one hand, too excessive, and a month's is, on the other, too little. So just gave her half a year's leave. Deputed besides, cousin Bao Yu to lend her a hand in her task. Not that cousin Bao knows how to give any hints about painting, that in itself would be more of a drawback, but in order that, in the event of there being anything that she doesn't comprehend, or of anything perplexing her as to how best to insert it, cousin Bao may take the picture outside and make the necessary inquiries of those gentlemen who excel in painting. Matters will thus be facilitated for her. At this suggestion, Bao Yu was the first to feel quite enchanted. This proposal is first-rate, he exclaimed. The towers and terraces, minutely executed by Jiang Zizliang, are so perfect, and the beauties painted by Cheng Ruxing so extremely fine that I will go at once and ask them of them. I've always said that you fuss for nothing, Bao Chai interposed. I merely passed a cursory remark, and there you want to go immediately and ask for things. To wait until we arrive at some decision in our deliberations, and then you can go. But let's consider now what would be best to use to paint the picture on. I've got in my quarters, Bao Yu answered, some snow-white wavy paper which is both large in size and proof against ink as well. Bao Chai gave a sarcastic smile. I do maintain, she cried, that you are a perfectly useless creature. That snow-white wavy paper is good for pictures consisting of characters and for outline drawings. Or else those who have the knack of making landscapes use it for depicting scenery of the Southern Song era as it resists ink and is strong enough to bear coarse painting. But were you to employ this sort of paper to make a picture of this garden on, it will neither stand the colors nor will it be easy to dry the painting by the fire. So not only won't it be suitable, but it will be a pity to, to waste the paper. I'll tell you a way how to get out of this. When this garden was first laid out, some detailed plan was used which, although executed by a mere house decorator, was perfect with regard to sights and bearings. You would better, therefore, ask for it of your worthy mother, and apply as well to Lady Fong for a piece of thick glazed loosestring of the size of that paper, and hand them to the gentlemen outside, and request them to prepare a rough copy for you, with any alterations or additions as might be necessary to make so as to accord with the style of these grounds. All that will remain to be done will be to introduce a few human beings, no more. Then, when you have to match the azure and green pigments as well as the ground gold and the ground silver, you can get those people again to do so for you. But you'll also have to bring an extra portable stove, 
so as to have it handy for melting the glue and for washing your pencils after you have taken the glue off. You further require a large table painted white and covered with a cloth. That lot of small dishes you have aren't sufficient. Your pencils too are not enough. It will be well consequently for you to purchase a new set of each. Do I own such a lot of painting materials? Sijun exclaimed. Why, I simply use any pencil that first comes under my hand to paint with, that's all. And as for pigments, I've only got four kinds. Ochre stone, guang flower paint, batan yellow, and rouge. Besides these, all I have amounts to a couple of pencils for applying colors, no more. Why didn't you say so earlier? Pao Chai remarked. I've still got some of these things remaining, but you don't need them. So were I to give you any, they'd lie uselessly about. I'll put them away for you now for a time, and when you want them, I'll let you have some. You should, however, keep them for the exclusive purpose of painting fans. For were you to paint such big things with them, it would be a pity. I'll draw out a list for you today to enable you to go and apply to our worthy senior for the items. As it isn't likely that you people can possibly know all that's required. I'll dictate them, and Cousin Bao can write them down. Bao Yu had already got a pencil and ink slab ready, for fearing lest he might not remember clearly the various necessaries. He had made up his mind to write a memorandum of them, so the moment he heard Bao Chai's suggestion, he cheerfully took up his pencil and listened quietly. Four pencils of the largest size, Bao Chai commenced, Four of the third size, four of the second size, four pencils for applying colors on big ground, four on medium ground, four for small ground, ten claws of large southern crabs, ten claws of small crabs, ten pencils for painting side hair and eyebrows, twenty for laying heavy colors, twenty for light colors, ten for painting faces, twenty willow twigs, four ounces of arrowhead pearls, four ounces of southern ochre, four ounces of stone yellow, four ounces of dark green, four ounces of malachite, four ounces of tube yellow, eight ounces of guang flower, four boxes of lead powder, ten sheets of rouge, two hundred sheets of thin red gold leaves, two hundred sheets of lead, four ounces of smooth glue, from a two guang, and four ounces of pure alum. The glue and alum for sizing the lustring are not included, so don't bother yourselves about them. But just take the lustring and give it to them outside to size it with alum for you. You and I can scour and clarify all these pigments and thus amuse ourselves and prepare them for use as well. I feel sure you'll have an ample supply to last you a whole lifetime, but you must also get ready four sieves of fine lucerne, a pair of coarse ones, four brush pencils, four bowls, some large, some small, twenty large coarse saucers, ten five-inch plates, twenty three-inch coarse white plates, two stoves, four large and small earthenware pans, two new porcelain jars, four new water buckets, four one-foot-long bags made of white cloth, 
two caddies of light charcoal, one or two caddies of willow wood charcoal, a wooden box with three drawers, a jar of thick gauze, two ounces of fresh ginger, half a caddy of soil, an iron kettle and an iron shovel, hastily chimed in Dai Yu with a smile full of irony. To do what with them? Pao Chai inquired. You ask for fresh ginger, soil and all these condiments, so I intend for an iron kettle for you to cook the pains and eat them. Dai Yu answered, to the intense merriment of one and all, who gave way to laughter. What do you, Ping Er, know about these things? Pao Chai laughed. I'm not certain in my mind that you won't put those coarse-colored plates straightway on the fire. But unless you take the precaution beforehand of rubbing the bottom with ginger juice mixed with soil and of warming them dry, they were bound to crack the moment they experienced the least heat. Is really so? they exclaimed with one voice after this explanation. Da Yu perused the list for a while. She then smiled and gave Tan Chen a tug. Just see, she whispered, we want to paint a picture, and she goes on indenting for a number of water jars and boxes. But I presume she's got so muddled that she inserts a list of articles needed for her trousseau. Tan Chen, at her remark, laughed with such heartiness that it was all she could do to check herself. Cousin Bao, she observed, don't you wring her mouth? Just ask her what disparaging things she said about you? Why need I ask? Bao Chai smiled. Is it likely, pray, that you can get ivory out of a girl's mouth? Speaking the while, she drew near and seizing Da Yu, she pressed her down on the stove coach with the intention of pinching her face. Da Yu smilingly hastened to implore for grace. My dear cousin, she cried, spare me. Ping Er is young in years. All she knows is to talk at random. She has no idea of what's proper and what's improper. But you are my elder cousin, so teach me how to behave. If you, cousin, don't let me off, to whom can I go and address my entreaties? Little did, however, all who heard her apprehend that there lurked some hidden purpose in her insinuations. She's right there, they consequently pleaded smilingly, so much is she to be pitied that even we have been mollified to spare her and finish. Pao Chai had at first meant to play with her, but when she unawares heard her drag in again the advice she had tendered her the other day with regard to the reckless perusal of unwholesome books, she at once felt as if she could not have any farther fuss with her, and she let her rise to her feet. It's you, after all, elder cousin, Da Yu laughed. Had it been I, I wouldn't have let anyone off. Bao Chai smiled and pointed at her. It is no wonder, she said, that our dear ancestor dotes on you, and that everyone loves you. Even I have today felt my heart warm towards you. But come here and let me put your hair up for you. Dai Yu then, in very deed, swung herself round and crossed over to her. Bao Chai arranged her coiffure with her hands. Bao Yu, who stood by and looked on, thought the style in which her hair was being made up better than it was before. But of a sudden, he felt sorry at what had happened, as he fancied that she should not have let her brush her side hair. 
but left it alone for the time being and asked him to do it for her. While, however, he gave way to these erratic thoughts, he heard Bao Chai speak. We have done with what theirs was to write, she said. So you'd better tomorrow go and tell grandmother about the things. If there be any at home, well and good. But if not, get some money to buy them with. I'll then help you both in your preparations. Bao Yu vehemently put the list away, after which they all joined in a further chat on irrelevant matters, and the evening meal over, they once more repaired into old lady Jia's apartments to wish her good night. Their grandmother had, indeed, had nothing serious the matter with her. Her ailment had amounted mainly to fatigue, to which a slight chill had been superadded, so that having kept in the warm room for the day, and taking a dose or two of medicine, she entirely got over the effects, and felt in the evening quite like her own self again. But reader, the occurrences of the next day arrears yet a mystery to you, but the next chapter will divulge them. End of section 35